For me, a full repair actually happens. I know it happens when I feel a lot closer to you well, when we have a breakdown or a rupture. I'm like my whole body and being is wanting to get closer to you, like physically, emotionally, mentally, versus this kind of like, okay, we cleaned this up and I'm going to go about my day. Or I'm tired of having this conversation. I'm saying this in my head. And this is good enough. And I need to go do something else now. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode 21, which actually is ironic because we just celebrated our daughter's 21st birthday in Las Vegas for the weekend, which is the reason why we're wearing sunglasses on the podcast today. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this and you can't see us right now, we, we both have sunglasses. We're kind of like doing the Vegas day after style and I have a hat on and yeah, we, we just celebrated her 21st birthday, which is super sweet. Yeah. So for the 21st episode, we're going to talk about ways to determine whether your relationship is in trouble. And another, maybe another way to talk about this is, should I stay or should I go? You know, this is a, a really painful question that a lot of people ask in their relationship. And you and I have been in relationships in the past where that was a huge focus of our attention. You know, is this is this really going to work? So we thought we would explore today the top five reasons why you should be very concerned about your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> or the signs that your relationship might be in trouble and potentially there's ways that you can work with that. But we're just going to point to the, the signs. Yeah? Right. Well, let's get into this. You ready? Yeah. Before we get into it, I just want to, if you haven't already heard, Will and I have decided to put some of the resources that we use into a newsletter because we can't seem to remember to share all those resources that we use to keep our we healthy, optimized, connected, and thus have the capacity to stay on mission. So we're sharing more of what we do on the, in the background around the things, the products, the ideas that we use to help us do all the things I just named. So if you're interested in that, please join us. In our newsletter, you can go to kristavanderveer.com to sign up for it. So yeah, let's get into it. Great. So first, let, why don't we share the context of the type of relationship that we're talking about such that these would be signs that your relationship might be in trouble or there might be some harder times ahead if you want this kind of relationship. Right. So if you haven't heard our our podcast before, we are talking about a very specific kind of relationship, kind of partnership where the foundational view is we can do more than I can. And I really like how you said this right before we started recording that this is a relationship that's a force to be reckoned with in the world. So it's a relationship that 
has huge potency to deliver uh, healing, goodness, evolution, new ways of being, and new abilities to accomplish things in the world that are really needed right now on the planet. So we're going to go into, in, not in any specific order, but the top five signs to look for if you're wanting that kind of relationship. Right. The first sign of trouble in a relationship like this is that your partner is not committed to fully repairing ruptures. So what do you, what do we mean by that, Krista? So hopefully we all know that ruptures, disagreements, misunderstandings, conflict happens and it's going to happen inside of a relationship. And there's no way of avoiding it if you're really awake and paying attention. So what we mean by the partner not being committed to full repair is that there's either the the ruptures, the miscommunications, the conflict isn't actually repaired at all, like the person won't talk about it, or you're only, as a couple, talking about it enough to get through to a normal kind of like day versus actually like, okay, hold on, like we need to actually deeply look to see what happened, who was impacted, you know, how do we take a co-responsibility for how this breakdown happened? I mean, for me, a full repair actually happens. I know it happens when I feel a lot closer to you, Will, when we have a breakdown or a rupture. I'm like, my whole body and being is wanting to get closer to you, like physically, emotionally, mentally, versus this kind of like, okay, like we cleaned this up and I'm going to go about my day. Or I'm tired of having this conversation. I'm saying this in my head. And this is good enough. And, you know, I, I need to go do something else now. I think that's so important what you're saying, the somatic, the body cue that tells you that we've arrived at a full repair. I think the body is such an ally in letting us know if we've actually done the process fully or not. And I think that for busy couples who are on a mission together like we are, it's tempting to shortcut the repair process to get back into the activities of trying to leave a positive impact on the world. So I really appreciate what you're saying about the distinction between like an intellectual process of like, okay, this is good enough, let's go, mm -hmm. versus like, okay, my body, my mammalian body is now at the full repair. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a couple things just to point out before we move to the second one here of, you know, I think that it's really important that we learn from what happened. You and I are really good at that. We're learning like, okay, this is how I participated in that. This is how you participated in that. Or you say how you participated in that. We learn from it. And then we also talk about how we're going to do it better moving forward. Like if we're, we're really in there with this thing, we're learning and we're doing it differently. And we're caring for each other's impact deeply. Right. We're doing the work of really generating the curiosity toward our partner of what really was the impact. So we can, like you said, learn from it and grow from it. Great. So should we go to the second one? There's so much to say about each of these. <laughs> Just go to the Let's second go to the one. second one. They're okay. all related to each other as well. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the second one is that one or both of the partners do not have a growth mindset. So well, why don't you share what that looks like or what that means? Right. So there's a kind of prevailing baseline cultural meme, I would say, that 
challenges presented to us are annoying, avoidable, not valuable. And what we really want is just comfort and support all the time. We don't ever want to be challenged in our lives. So if we relate to challenges as a pain in the ass and not an opportunity for growth, then we're always going to reject these moments and try to get away from them as quickly as possible. So the opposite of a growth-oriented mindset in my mind is more of a victim-oriented mindset of the challenges that get presented to me. You know, if you've been on the planet for a while, you've noticed that challenges are presented to you every day, if not every minute or every hour. So how we relate to challenges is really important. And how that translates to relationship is like, let's say I'm not in a growth mindset and I'm in relationship with you. Well, like I'm not taking responsibility. I'm not doing my work. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. I'm probably very stuck in my emotional development, my intellectual development. I'm definitely going to be stuck inside of our relationship. It's kind of, it's going to be kind of like I stay at one level of development and probably even joy and satisfaction. And you're like skyrocketing to other levels of development and joy. And there's a big, going to be a big gap inside of the relationship because how can the relationship grow together if one person is not in this kind of growth mindset? So here's a very quick example to illustrate the point. I walk in the kitchen and your body language, your expression, your what I perceive, what I'm observing is that you are withdrawn or preoccupied or annoyed or irritated or something. Mm -hmm. The growth-oriented mindset, which I have to work to get to most of the time. So I want to make that clear. Like This is sort of like the gym that we work out in, in relational gym. When I perceive that, the first thing that happens to me is a victim mindset where I go into, oh shit, I got to deal with this. This is a pain in the ass. I don't want to be having to unpack why is Krista irritated, annoyed, fill in the blank. I just want to be having a good time. Mm. If I'm totally honest with myself, that's the first reaction. I have to generate the growth-oriented mindset, which is what's the opportunity here? How is this moment of challenge going to serve us and our growth and me personally and my growth? And then begin the process of discovery and gentle inquiry of, hey, what's going on for you? I love that. It's, it is such a practice of seeing the, oh gosh, I don't want to deal with this and turning that into an opportunity. And I think that the more and more in my own life that I keep practicing that and remembering that, it becomes less of a big mountain to climb in the moment. Like it takes, I can get there faster, but it's definitely a practice. I'm glad that you said that. And it builds between us, right? When I see you doing that, then I'm inspired to up-level to that bar and vice versa so we can climb the mountain together. And this is why number two on our episode today is the partner doesn't have the growth oriented mindset. So we both need to have that for this to work well. Right. Do you want to do number three? Oh, wait. Before we do number three, actually, why don't we take a quick break and then we will come back and do number three. Does that sound good? Great. Okay. I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. 
These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple. And they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. The number three top sign that your relationship's in trouble is an unwillingness to take full responsibility on a consistent basis. Mm. Would you like to explain that? (laughs) Sure, let's go into that. So... I think with something that you and I do really well, and it hasn't, I have not had this in a prior relationship at the extent that you and I do it, where if we hold the perspective that we're co-creating everything together, that means that we each have some sort of pretty much equal part in the unfolding. Now, I just want to give, you know, permission to the times that like I might say something to you that is just totally off the rails or something, just not attuned or something like that. And it might be really appropriate for me to be like, oh my gosh, like, I just feel like I just need to take full responsibility for this unfolding. But as a practice and as a perspective, when we are both taking, let's say a hundred percent responsibility for the unfolding, then it's so much easier to get to resolution. But the thing is, is that it needs to be really authentic responsibility, meaning like I can't just give lip service to oh yeah, I can see how I participated in that because I didn't call you at five o'clock, you know, or whatever the thing is. But a real deep looking of like, okay, how how did I participate to this breakdown? How did I participate in the negative impact that Will experienced? Absolutely. I'm thinking back to, this goes back, wow, probably 20 years to a time when I was in a previous relationship and really struggling. And someone recommended a book to me called Passionate Marriage by David Snarch. It's a funny last name, Snarch, S-N-A-R-C-H. And the takeaway sort of bullet point from that book is every difficult situation is equally co-created by both members of the partnership. So it was a revelation to me because my ex-partner and I were always fighting about who was at fault about how we got into a difficult situation. Right. And Snarch was speaking from an expertise of having done couple therapy with many thousands of couples. And his conclusion was everybody co-creates every difficult situation. Mm-hmm. So that gave me confidence in my mind, because I'm such a nerd coming from medical school that, oh, here's an expert who says everything's co-created. Like, okay, now I can get behind that. But as you say, if only one person is taking responsibility or if one person's overtaking responsibility. Yes, good one. Can also be a big problem. Now, here's a fun one to explore in this area of responsibility is in general, in difficult dynamics between partners that occur over the long term, there can be a a role of one person is the problem and the other person is the identifier of the problem. Mm, Totally. And in my work with couples over the years, 
and I'm just going to say this as a stereotype that is reflective of my clinical experience, most of the time, the woman in the heterosexual partnership, and most of the couples I saw were heterosexual, not all of them, but most of the time, the woman was coming in saying, my partner has a problem and I don't. Can you fix my partner? Uh-huh. If my partner <laughs> would just give the program. <laughs> oh, geez. I thought you were going to say that the female overtakes, like overly takes responsibility. That can happen too. That but absolutely, general, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I invite the listeners in our audience who are thinking, my partner's the fucked up one and I'm the one who needs to help them get with the program. What is your part in that? Right? What is your part in creating difficult situations? Yeah, that's a, such a great example. And the reason why I say 100% responsibility, each person takes 100% responsibility, is because if I came to you, Will, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to take 70% responsibility for this, then I'm still leaving a gap of 30% of like, if I approached you and was like, I mean, I guess we're pretty good at this. So if I said to you, like, well, I need to know what you're responsible in this, like, where's your responsibility? There's a lot of like activated, like defensiveness and like accusation inside of that perspective. But if I am willing to be like, okay, if I were 100% responsible for this, then I can easier see my participation. And if you're doing the same thing, you can see yours. And I can tell you, people who are listening, the repairs go so much faster when mm-hmm. we do this. And it, again, it's a practice. We get better and better at taking responsibility and seeing our parts. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a part of me that I couldn't see and I couldn't take responsibility for until you really helped me see a blind spot and lean in and pressed in and it took patience. And, you know, so sometimes it's really hard to see how we participate, but the willingness at least to take responsibility and to look is, is key. And if you don't have that in your partnership, then I would say a hundred percent, like the partnership can't go anywhere into a deep, meaningful contribution to the world. If you don't have that. Well, and I think you're, you're pointing toward, another level of responsibility when you say each person is taking 100% responsibility. That is a kind of like such a quantum leap from I'm going to take 50% responsibility and you're going to take 50%. That's already great. I mean, that's better than whose fault is it that we got into this. But what I think you're establishing is a level of trust in your partner that if you take 100% responsibility, they're going to show up and take 100% too. And it's more of an invitational quality that is so disarming compared to what you said, the alternative of, okay, what's your part in this, right? right? Which has, a, like you said, a little bit more of an aggressive tone to it. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly vulnerable, powerful in such a vulnerable way to take that 100% responsibility and then just trust that the other person's going to do that too. I can tell you when you lead with that, with me inside of a breakdown or misunderstanding or rupture, I like basically melt and it's so much easier for me to see my responsibility and, and admit my responsibility. So it makes a big difference. Yeah. Okay. Should we go to number four? Yeah. The number four top sign that your relationship is in trouble is not being willing to prioritize or put the relationship first. So, Will, do you want to start kick us off by explaining what that means? Well, 
there are so many ways this can manifest in a relationship. So it'd probably be good to give a couple of examples. I'll give one. Maybe you can provide one. Great. We did a previous episode on the idea of an unmanaged third. Unmanaged third is a phrase that points toward anything in a partnership that feels like it's becoming a distraction from the potency of the partnership. So this could be an emotional affair. It could be an obsessive approach to career. It could be an addiction to a substance, could be pornography, any number of things. And it could be subtle where it looks like a kind of a culturally sanctioned thing. Like, hey, I'm just working hard. I'm, you know, I'm living the dream as an entrepreneur and I have to be on my phone 24-7, you know. Totally. Easy to justify. So not putting the relationship first is basically misunderstanding the opportunity that we can do more than I can if our home base is secure enough that we can then go out and do the things in the world, either together or individually, that would not be possible if the home base is unstable or Mm -hmm. there's anxiety or fear or mistrust or repairs are not getting fully completed. I love that example. And, you know, I think you and I have really worked this because I think that there is a cultural piece of like all these other things are more important in some form. And it's kind of crazy thinking in a certain way, if you really look at thinking that the neurotic or addictive patterns can be more important than, you know, prioritizing a relationship. And I also just want to say that this isn't in a codependent way, too. I think that people could maybe slip into codependency if there's a misunderstanding of what we're saying. Like if I said to you, well, you're not prioritizing me, you're not prioritizing the relationship, and I have a wound around codependency, then I might be demanding more of your time and attention that's actually in balance to what's realistic. I don't know. Do you have a sense of what I'm talking about, about codependency and putting the relationship first? Well, I think for me, codependency is, I try to evaluate it based on whether it's a fear-based way of uh, interdependency that's fear-based is is more of a codependent dynamic where I'm uncomfortable with alone time or giving my partner space or investigating my own internal world. There's also codependency that takes the form of rescuing someone who's in an addictive pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, someone who's not taking responsibility for their own trauma. You know, we believe the kind of Gabor Mate perspective that most addiction is has trauma underlying it. And so Mm -hmm. this issue of not putting the relationship first oftentimes can be traced back to, and I'll I'll speak from my own experience, can be traced back to a kind of Lone Ranger attitude or a way of coping with growing up in a desert of emotional connection, Mm -hmm. relying on yourself heavily in that environment. And then bringing that kind of self-reliance into a partnership where you're trying to live from a place of we can do more than I can, it really puts the I can do more than we can attitude under the microscope. Right. I would just add that if either of you 
or your partner is not willing to put the relationship first in the way that we're talking about it, or you're not willing to do that in some form, I think it's it's time to get really curious, like you were saying, like put it under the microscope and find out why and what's going on for you there. It's just an invitation for that. All right. Why don't you take us home with the last one? Okay. The number five top sign that your relationship is in trouble is, drum roll, <laughs> your partner is not for your greatest success or you're not for your partner's greatest success. What's another way to say that that might be more relatable from your perspective? This one goes to the importance of fairness and equity being for one another's success as much as we are for our own success. So if we are constantly, like I I really have to watch myself hogging the mic in our relationship and talking about all of my leadership challenges, running a startup and you know, managing people, which is not any part of my training. And so I really thrive on the the coaching that I receive from you. And so there's a dynamic that we are very aware of and working constantly, which is me bringing as much curiosity and support and challenge for your growth path and your career as you offer to me. Mm. It's really important for that to be fair because otherwise in the long run, someone's going to feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. Right. And well said. And I think another element of being for each other's greatest success here is like the things that can come up as a result of our own internal fears or processes around the other person's success or expression or desires. So for example, I think it's come up between you and I in various forms of like, okay, well, what happens if one of us is wildly successful in a certain way and getting a lot of external attention and getting a lot of like external distraction and, you know, being in the spotlight. And if I'm over here saying, well, I don't really want that to happen for you, but you're wanting that and you're telling me you're wanting that, I'm just using this as, as an example, then the reason why I'm not supporting your success is because of my own fears of what that's going to bring up for me versus like, oh, heck yeah. Like I want to fully support your goals, your desires, your authentic expression in this lifetime. And that feels like it's part of my role as your wife, as your partner. And I'm going to do what it takes to do that, including looking at my own deepest fears and insecurities and all the things that can get in the way of me not being a full support of that. It's so important to explore what you're talking about, this quality of competition or comparison, which is part of human nature. It's so fundamental to our social evolution as a species is comparison. And it can lead into jealousy, resentment, unconsciously undermining our partner's success. And I think oftentimes, as you, as you pointed out, it can be traced back to fear of what happens if my partner gets really big and really successful? What happens to our partnership? What happens to me? Mm -hmm. Are they going to forget me and leave me behind? Mm -hmm. Am I not going to enjoy credit for the effort that it took together for the one of the partners to get there? Mm -hmm. And so on. Yeah. And I think like you were saying before, all of these 
examples and signs are really an underlying, there's an underlying perspective in some way that it's not actually true that we can do more than I can. Absolutely. Because if we actually held that perspective together, then we're going to be working really hard together in my perspective to make sure that these signs are not getting in the way. These, these issues are not getting in the way of us actually being connected, optimized, aligned on mission, healthy, doing all the things that we can do to make sure that our partnership and our we is really extraordinary. hundred percent. And I think one of the big reasons why we're so passionate about communicating this message to people is that I believe having practiced psychiatry for over 20 years, it's exceedingly rare for people to be brought up in a family that has enough psychological maturity, regulation skills, ability to repair, and so on for the children to develop the perspective that we can do more than I can. It's, I'd say, under 5% of the people being brought up today leave their family of origin, go into the world as adults thinking we can do more than I can. Right. And so we have to make a big, like if my own healing path is any kind of reflection of what's going on out there, Mm -hmm. we have to work our asses off to commit to the view we can do more than I can. And the, the traumas, the injuries, the messaging, the enculturation, the rugged individualism of American mm-hmm. culture. All of these things are teaching us that I can do more than we can. Yeah. Well said. And so if you had an invitation for somebody who's listening to this and let's say they see one or several of these signs in their partnership that we just mentioned, what would be the invitation that you would offer to them? I would offer the encouragement that partnerships based on we can do more than I can are real. You can work toward and achieve that in your lifetime. And I'm saying it that way because I spent probably 10 years in the question of, is this real or not? Mm-hmm. Is this a fantasy? Mm-hmm. Uh, deeply in pain in my partnership, hoping and sort of almost fantasizing that there has to be a better way but not really believing it and being on the fence about it. And it took a huge amount of effort to get to the place where I was fully committed to that perspective. doesn't mean that my behavior reflects my full commitment all the time at all. I fall down all the time. Mistakes are part of learning it. But I want to say to the people out there who are wondering, is it, is this just bullshit? You know, it's not bullshit. This is real. You Mm. can have this. Mm. I echo that. A hundred thousand percent. That's why we're together. (laughs) (laughs) If you're currently in a partnership like I was for many, many years, and you're wondering, is there another way to do partnership? But you're not sure. You're very much in a question of, you know, is my desire to have a more fulfilling, more connected, more rich partnership? a fantasy or are there tools and ways to work toward that? My message to you 
which in some ways is a message to myself 10 years ago, is you can have this kind of relationship. You can create this kind of relationship through hard work with the right supports if you're willing to take on the challenge and do the work. It's very doable. Yes, and I would add to that that your partner also needs to be willing. Or Absolutely. figure out how to get to be too willing because if you don't have a willing partner, then in my experience, my my history, it's like hitting your head against a wall and then keep hoping there's possibility and then hitting your head against a wall. And But when you have a partner who's willing, it's a total game changer. And without the shared and equal commitment from your partner, it probably won't happen. But my advice is that it's worth the due diligence and worth the effort to find out if your current partner can make the journey with you or not, because you're going to have to make the journey with someone and the one that you're with right now, as long as it's not an overtly abusive, you know, physically or emotionally abusive, dangerous environment, that's a different story. But if, if it's not that, and you can find a way in with your partner to make the journey together, you might as well make it with the one you're with. I 100% agree. Well said. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at art of we podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the art of we.